Welcome to the Bread of Life. I'm Joe Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work to make Christ known to the nations or about our ministry in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Today we continue a consideration from 1 Kings chapter 18 and the test that God gives Israel to prove that He alone can provide for their needs in order to call them back from their idolatry. The test is that God will answer their prayers, as no idol they have lived for can, and that He alone will also remove their sins. People bury themselves in acts of worship and service to their idols. Very often that idol can be their jobs or their families or their education. Deeply rooted in our idolatry is a desire to be heard and forgiven. But the idols that we choose will not answer. Only God can answer this prayer and forgive us our sins. You know, the reality is that all men in one way or another are making sacrifices in hopes of shedding the weight of sin upon their consciences. But God is the only one who has arranged the sufficient sacrifice to take away sin. It's only what God provides that answers to the deep need and the deep problem of the sin in our lives. Just this week, we had a ministry take place in India, and the pastor that was heading it up was a man named Mohan Undru. Mohan told me of how he initially came to Christ, and it belongs to, it's all part of the story of his village, but his village had a, a god that they worshiped by the name of Polarama, and there was a priestess who spoke for this god, and Throughout the year, at different times when there were difficulties or trials or there was sickness or there was a fear for not the harvest not coming in, the priestess would come forward with a message from Polarama saying, I demand blood, give me blood, give me blood. The people would gather together, they would draw lots to see who it is from their, whose flock, they would bring cattle and sheep and they would go and at the foot of this tree that represented this God, they would make their sacrifices and slay their sacrifices and pour blood out upon the roots of this tree where Polarama would drink in the blood to pay for their sins and their ill behavior and bless them again, give them privileges and honor. And Mohan sought a better life, and so he moved from his little village and he moved to another part of India. What you need to know in India is that every state speaks a totally different language. And so he was in a different state waiting for a passageway to get into the Middle East where there was a job promised for him and he couldn't speak the language of the people around him. He wouldn't even go out on the streets because he felt like a total stranger in his own country there. But he found a book that had writing in it in his own language, and it was the only thing that was available. And of all things, it was a Bible, and he began to read it. Now, Mohan's wife had become a Christian years before, before he married her. It was an arranged marriage, and he couldn't understand, and she couldn't articulate the gospel to him, but he, he did hear her praying periodically, Oh, God, save my husband. He's reading this Bible as he's going through. He reads it from beginning to end. He comes to the New Testament. He reads all the way through the gospel counts. And then he comes to the count where Jesus dies on the cross and sheds his blood for him. And the thought came to him, Polarama demands blood for himself. And this God, who's the God of all creation, gives his blood for us. Polarama says, you bring me a sacrifice. This God says, I give you a sacrifice for your sins. And there in that moment, without ever hearing the the gospel from the lips of another individual, but just simply reading from the Bible, Mohan gets on his knees and says, Oh God of all creation, forgive me. I received the sacrifice that you've made for me in the shedding of the blood of this righteous one in my place. And he's wonderfully transformed and saved. 
Now we're working over with them. Since we've begun working with them, they've planted 75 churches in the region that they're in. Just in Hyderabad, we did a training with 70 different pastors that have recently received training underneath this that Bohan and his son Moses have brought together. You have to go to the right God. And that God will provide you the sacrifice himself. It's not in blood of bulls and goats. Hebrews 10.4 tells us that the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sins. They simply were an expression anticipating a moment when God would provide the sacrifice that would be enough to cover and pay for our sins. And when that sacrifice came, John the Baptist pointed at him and said what? Look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Hebrews 10.10 says of the one, says of Jesus Christ that he was sacrificed or offered up once for all so that those who believe in him might be made holy, sanctified and set apart for God. Once for all, it's done, it's complete. Here's the problem with people all over the world and with their gods. After all the sacrifices that they make to their gods, there's not one of these gods that can assure them that their sins have been removed. You ask them, you ask them, are you confident that all of your sins have been taken away and you stand right and righteous? You ask them, oh, I'm trying my best. I'm doing as much as I can. They can't answer it. They can't provide a sufficient sacrifice. This is the test. Does your God offer you an atonement for your sins? Does he provide a way for you to be forgiven and made completely clean? At the end of the day, do you know that your sins are behind you and that you are without the burden and weight of those sins? John says if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That forgiveness is one thing. That cleansing of all righteousness is the removal from our conscience of the weight and burden of our past sins. Do you know, even though you've known you'd sin and you know what your sins are, do you feel the weight of them removed? So they're no longer a burden to you. They're no longer a barrier between you and God. Only one God can do that, the God you've sinned against. And the God who's provided a sufficient sacrifice for you. Do the gods and idols that persons bow before promise to remove them from the judgment of that sin? Can it take away again the pangs of the conscience from their past sins? There's one God who does that. There's one God you come to who does that. In the book Pilgrim's Progress, Bunyan writes about Pilgrim carrying this massive burden of the guilt of his sin and he carries it with him as he's trying to find an answer to have this burden removed so he doesn't come down and be crushed under it and be drawn into, into endless judgment as a result of it. And ultimately, as Pilgrim is making his way, he finds himself to the foot of a cross that's empty. And behind the cross, on the hill behind him, is a grave, a sepulcher that's empty as well. And as he comes before that cross, and as the shadow of that cross passes over him, the burden of sin that's on his life releases from him, and it rolls down the hill into the empty tomb or sepulcher never to be seen again. And at that point in time, Bunyan has Pilgrim saying this, Thus far did I come laden with my sin, nor could nothing ease the grief that I was in till I came here. What a place is this? Must here be the beginning of my bliss? Must here be the burden fall from off my back? Blessed cross, blessed sepulcher, blessed rather be the man that was there 
who was put to shame for me. Relief, release, a sacrifice that's answered by an atoning, forgiving God. I think I'll end with this illustration. We'll look at the next part of the test next week, but years ago I was in Novorossiysk, had an opportunity to meet with a group of about 12 people sitting around a table, sharing the gospel with them. I gave them each these questions I wanted to ask them. There were questions and Bible verses. There was a dialogue that we had together at the end of the questionnaire that we had. There's a little verse that they could pray to give their life to Jesus Christ if they so chose. And so we went through the questions and I basically left them to go to their homes and think about it. As soon as I was done, one of the men asked if he could speak to me. So I pulled aside to speak to the man and the guy's name was Alexander. And Alexander said to me through the translator, I just want you to know that I'm in disagreement with everything that you've said tonight. I don't agree with anything you've said. And I've been orthodox all through communism. I was faithful and I remained orthodox. I don't agree with anything you've said. I said, well, I'm actually very pleased that you were willing to listen to me and engage in the conversation even though you didn't agree with me. And I just want you to know I'm not, I'm not offended that you don't agree with me. I mean, that's your prerogative. And I just want to thank you for how kind you were to let me speak to you. And I'm going to be here for a week. And I'm staying at the pastor's house. And should you decide for whatever reason that you want to share with me what your disagreements are, or you want to discuss these topics with me, you can come and arrange to meet with him. You can come visit me anytime you want. Well, later in the week, a call comes to the pastor's house that Alexander wants to come and meet with us. Alexander comes in the home. He sits down. We sit together. It's his opportunity to speak. I don't know why he's come to meet with me. He has to initiate the conversation. And the way he initiates the conversation is, I need to understand who wrote this prayer that's at the bottom of these questions we were answering. Who, who wrote it? I said, I, well, I don't know who wrote it. It's just a common prayer. There's nothing really special about it. It could have been written by any number of individuals. It's just somebody putting down the expression of what a heart says when they're turning away from their sin and they're receiving by faith what it is that God has provided through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. It's just talking to God and being honest with God. And I have no idea. Oh, no, I have to understand. I need to know who wrote this. I said, well, Alexander, why do you need to know who wrote this prayer? So he began to tell me a story that all through communism, he had sought to be faithful to his orthodox beliefs. And so he would go to the orthodox church on a regular basis in order to receive the blessing of the priest and to make his prayers known. And in the church, he would follow all the liturgies and he would keep all the prayers that they taught them to pray. He was a merchant marine, so he was on ships most of the time, but whenever he could, he'd make his way back to that Orthodox church, and there he would try to renew his faith and hold on to his faith and not let that be taken away from him. And so he says, I've prayed all kinds of prayer, but I, I've never prayed a prayer like this before. I said, well, what do you mean? Did you pray this prayer? He goes, yes. He said, I, I went through what you wrote, and I decided that some of it made sense to me. And I read through the prayer, and it seemed like a reasonable prayer, and so I prayed this prayer. But something's happened to me as a result. And I can't explain it. It's like nothing I've experienced before. And from there, he began to ask question after question of me. And they were the kinds of questions that a born-again Christian would ask whose mind had all of a sudden been opened to the presence of God and the will of God and God's truth. And we were there for about two hours as he just pummeled me with one question after another question about what does God do then and what does God require of me and how can I serve him and how do I grow and what do I learn more of and what can I read and on and on goes the conversation and at the end of the conversation he says I want to tell you one last story I had to leave to go somewhere it's a testimony of a God who hears prayer 
and receives the sacrifice that's made, gives the sacrifice and receives it on our behalf, who forgives us and cleanses us and washes us. He says, you know, I was in the Merchant Marine and we traveled all over the world and on one occasion I was in New Orleans at the very end of uh, what they call Mardi Gras. And we were not allowed to go into the city. We had to stay on the ship. But in that harbor, we were able to watch the fireworks that went off that night. And we sat on the deck of our ship as the fireworks were exploding over top of us. And it was tremendous. We never saw anything like it. We were all these sailors, but we were all had tears coming down as we watched it. I just want you to know, it's nothing like what is going on in my heart right now. See, a God who hears prayer, a God who offers a sacrifice and answers it and forgives, and who demonstrates it by sending fire to receive it and leaving within us the fire, the glowing fire of his presence to be with us. A test that would call people to turn back to him. Let's bow our heads. People are searching everywhere. Your spirit has prompted them to search, to seek. The heart dead in sin resists you, but, O oh God, you press upon them to convict men of sin and righteousness and judgment. You put eternity in their hearts. There is a need deep within them. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.